Good morning. I want to welcome everyone to our service of worship. I want to welcome those who are watching online with us today. Uh, we're certainly glad that you have come to worship the Lord today. Um, just, just one word here before I, uh, we get started with the call to worship. <clears throat> I do want to thank A.B. Scott for filling in last week on pretty short notice. And don't let my results stop you from getting the flu shot. So uh, let me encourage you along those lines. Our call to worship is found printed in your bulletin. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Let us pray and confess our sin. Almighty God, your great love for us is overwhelming. But we have not always loved you as you deserve. You call us, O Lord, but sometimes we do not listen. We walk away from neighbors in need simply because we are wrapped up in our own concerns. We have gone along with evil, with prejudice, with warfare, with greed. We have done many things that have caused us to sin before you. O oh God, our Father, help us to face up to ourselves so that as we move towards you in worship this day, we pray that you grant your mercy, for we repent and turn to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news of the gospel. Jesus was tried, and during his trial, he was sentenced to be beaten. And he was beaten, and his blood was shed. There was a crown of thorns placed upon his head that bore down and drew blood. Then he was taken to the cross, and there his left hand and his right hand and his feet were nailed unto the cross. And there he suffered and died for the sins of the world, including our own sins. So this is why we are forgiven, because the blood of Jesus Christ was shed that we might be reconciled to God. This is the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, our sin is forgiven. Amen. Let us stand as we are able and open the hymn book to number 637 and sing the great fall Thanksgiving song we gather together.
Now this morning in your bulletin, you will find our affirmation of faith. It is the Nicene Creed that we'll be using during the month of October. The Nicene Creed is a little longer and comes from the ecumenical councils of the church in the 300-400 period of uh, the church's history. So let us affirm our faith with this creed. We believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and the third day he arose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceedeth from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And we believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And now let us greet one another this morning with the wave offering of peace. This morning, our first scripture reading is found in the Gospel of Luke, the 15th chapter, beginning at verse 11, and reading through verse 32, page 740 in the Pew Bibles. We'll all recognize this, and this morning I'm reading this as a part of the scriptures that I'm using in my sermon, and... um, I want us to to think about it as it is read through more in terms of the family uh, than just the son who has gone off to make his own way. It says, Jesus continued, and there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. 
After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field where he came near the house. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what is going on? Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the other brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. All these years I have been serving, I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word from the gospel of Luke, the parable of the prodigal son. This morning we have the solo, Marsha McCullough singing the prayer.
Marshall Lehman, thank you so much. Let us bow our heads and go to the Lord our God in prayer. Almighty and everlasting God, as we come now in this time of worship, and we come and we offer you our prayers of intercession, our prayers of petition and supplication, we come and each and every person here has matters upon their hearts, things that are of great concern to them, things that they are dwelling on, experiences and events that have caused them to come to grips with so many things in life. We pray this day for our president, Donald Trump, and his wife, Melania. We pray for the White House staff and others in the government that have now come down, many with the virus. And we will pray, O oh Lord, that all will soon be better and well and free from this illness. We ask that you continue to be with those across the country, around the world, who are still stricken and sickened by this virus. We pray for those who have recovered and are recovering. We pray for all those who have lost family members to this disease. Continue to guide and help those working on vaccines and treatments for the doctors and nurses and medical staff and caretakers, O oh Lord, who daily care for those ill and continue to strengthen them and shield them during these now many months in which we now live amidst the virus. We pray, Lord, for those in our congregation, for those who remain ill, for those who are shut in, and for those struggling with day-to-day -day matters of life. We especially remember Mike Robinson, who continues his rehab at the Jewish nursing home and for the good progress that he has made this week. We pray for Dr. Ed Knox as he begins his cancer treatments and ask, O oh Lord, that this be a help to him and a remedy to make him both better and able to do other things. We pray this morning for Judy Miller, for her children, Eric and Emily, for the grandchildren as they continue their time of grief at the loss of husband, Bob, and father and grandfather. We pray your healing and comforting hands to hold them and keep them. We pray, O oh Lord, for our nation as we are drawing near the election of governmental leaders across the land. Remind us of the great responsibility of citizenship in a free land and the great privilege it is to be able to vote for those we desire to lead us into the future. Oh, gracious God, we pray for other things. We are reminded that we have teachers and students and parents and administrators that are coming to the end of the first nine weeks of this so particularly strange first part of a new school year. 
Much has been done, much will be redone, much will be undone, and still other things, O Lord, will be adapted. And so we continue to pray for them as they have all learned how to teach and how to learn in this particular time. And so, Lord, we pray these things. We pray for others as we have in our hearts. And we make all these prayers in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. And to them we add the prayer that he taught us, and we say together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Now, for our second reading this morning, we've turned to the book of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 51, and reading its first three verses, uh, page 521 in the Blue Pew Bibles. Isaiah writes, Listen to me. You who pursue righteousness and seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewed. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave you birth. When I called him, he was but one, and I blessed him and made him many. The Lord will surely comfort Zion and will look with compassion on all her ruins. He will make her deserts like Eden, her wastelands like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of singing. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word. Also now from the 51st chapter of the prophet Isaiah. Now this month of October, I am preaching a series of sermons that will go through the first Sunday of November, November 1st, uh, as November has five Sundays this year. And these sermons are entitled Harvest Home Sermons, and they deal with many of the aspects of communal life, beginning with family ties, next week with church family ties, the week after that with generational family ties, the week after that, uh, the being an American as a t family tie, and the week after that, faith, politics, and the sovereignty of God as we move towards the election of new leaders. So, um, that will be the series of sermon. We're preaching these in both the 
traditional service here, and then again, I will be preaching at the uh, contemporary service, the same set of sermons. Uh, we are only broadcasting now the traditional service on Sunday morning, and we are not broadcasting the contemporary service for the time being during the month of October. Uh, that's going to help us, especially along the staff lines, and will help us do some things that should make everything a little better uh, on Sunday mornings and in our broadcasting. So, some of the things coming up. But this morning, this first sermon uh, of the Harvest Home series entitled Family Ties. And uh, let me begin with, with some thoughts here in that regard. You know, it is very apparent now. I know that according to the calendar and to the uh, astronomical signs, fall, the autumn season has arrived. Uh, they say in the morning it's supposed to be 39 degrees, and that's a good sign that the fall season has come. And we're even seeing the beginnings of hints of colors and some fading of the greens uh, from the summer and springtime. And you know, the autumn is a time for gathering in. Think about that. Really, you know, most of us, none of us really are farmers anymore. Some of us have gardens and some of us know maybe a farmer or two, but when we gather in, we go to the Kroger or someplace and that's where we gather in. But there is a gathering in. It is a season. Fields will soon be harvested. Corn has been. Soybeans going to be cotton soon. And other things. There is the great gathering in that takes place in the northern hemisphere this time of year. It is a time, and it used to be a time, when, when families had to all be together to help with the harvest, to help with the gathering in. And it caused families to work together and to labor together and probably to just get in each other's way a great deal of the time. But still, it was a time to gather in. And in that gathering in, everybody would be taking stock, seeing where one was, where the family was. Will we have enough to see us through the winter into the spring until the first fruits of the coming uh, year happen with us? It was that time again and this particular season is marked with a lot of events, with different types of holidays. It kind of uh, comes to a climax as far as the gathering in with the Thanksgiving celebration later in November. But even then, with Halloween and its pumpkins and Thanksgiving and its turkeys and its dressings and its gathering togethers and then into the Advent and the Christmas season, which is also a time of celebration and a family getting together. It marks these particular times of years when the emphasis on familial events is very strong. Now, how much more does this seem important this season 
that we are now seven months, but really longer than that, I was looking back at my bulletins from last December, and that was when the virus was really beginning to spread in China, and I had in my bulletin notes saying, we need to be praying that the Chinese can control this thing. And we see that that was not so easily done and that the world was not so easily done at controlling this outbreak. So as I said, seven months for us here in the United States in that, and there is a strain, there is a sense that we need to, to re-bond, we need to strengthen ties because of so much separation, so much isolation. You know, the census has been going on. I don't know. Perhaps you've noticed. Maybe you filled out yours online or mailed it in. Maybe A.B. Scott came to your house to take your census. I don't know. But one of the early things that has come out of the census is that more young adults, not children, young adults, 30%, one-third of young adults are living at home with their parents because of the economic situations that are going on. The greatest number since the Great Depression and the Second World War. And it is causing both perhaps some joy and perhaps some conflict in that regard because of those things happening. And we think about that as the dynamics of things that are going on. We think that uh, it is strange that we would have multi-generation households kind of the, I won't say the exact norm, but one of the growing minority relationships of living across the land. But in our history, that has been the case more often than not where you have multi-generational families living together under one roof. And maybe there are times, maybe God's own times, in which these things come back around so that perhaps the sense of family and the ties of family can be strengthened or renewed or at least recognized again. The Bible speaks of family, extended family, of generational families, the ties that bind the blessings and curse that comes with the generations of families. This passage that we read from Isaiah this morning talks about family ties in a much broader sense. It talks about especially there at the, the end of verse 1, it says, Look to the rock from which you were cut, and to the quarry from which you were hewed. We all come from some place. We all come, both as individuals and as families, and as a people, we come from some place. Now, I know perhaps many of you, like myself, have done the DNA test and found out what kind of ancestry you might have and where you might come from. Well, I'm just about all 
English, Irish, Scottish, and Northern Scandinavian, 99.9%, you know? And so um, I probably didn't need a genetics test to tell me that. But still, it is there. And it is something for us to think about from whence we have come. The rock in which we are cut. And certainly the prophet Isaiah was talking about the people of God and the family of God. And he says, remember, we all come spiritually and in this case, physically, in that sense, from Abraham and from Sarah. And he was reminding them to remind the ties that we have. And so he was reminding the people of God that is a great thing. You know, many of us have, I'm sure, visited the campus of Rhodes College down in Memphis by the zoo there. We've been on the campus and you've no doubt marveled at the stone buildings they have there. And you know, all that stone that's in those buildings and whenever a new building is built, they go back to the same quarry. And they cut the same rock that was used in the original buildings there so that it would give it that uniform appearance. It all comes from the same quarry. And so we think about that and we think about our families, that our families, they come from a given group, a given group of people. And we need to remember that as we are thinking about this. Now, I want to go on here. We all have family ties, some great, some small, some are very close, some are at a great distance. These family ties, our relationships, are far from perfect. They are sometimes downright challenging. Other times, the cords that bind are often frayed and sometimes even cut, requiring them to be tied back together if they are to be mended. I think of the character of the father in Jesus' parable about the prodigal son. I want to think, we read it. It's always a great privilege to read that parable. But I want to you to think about the character of the Father. I want you to think about verse 20, which is often overlooked because there's so much in that parable that can be talked about and can be preached about that we overlook one of the great little nuggets that is there. It's in verse 20. It says this, so I can remind us. It says, so he, the prodigal son, that's who it, so he, the prodigal son, got up and went to his father. And then the verse continues with perhaps this wonderfully overlooked line. But while he, the prodigal son, was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He, his father, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, around his younger son, and kissed him. 
These are the family ties. You know what that tells us? That one little verse, you know what that tells us? It tells us that the father was always out there looking for the son to come home. He was always out there looking. He wasn't just somewhere else for somebody else to come and say, oh, by the way, you know, that son of yours came home. He was looking. How marvelous is that? He was looking for the day that his son would come home. And when he was still far off, he recognized him. He knew who it was. Now, you know, all families have an individual in the family who is kind of like the father, and sometimes it's like the mother. It's the one who is always looking to reconcile, who is always looking to gather the family back together, who is always looking to make amends and to bring everybody back unto the fold, who is always there for those who are close, but is always concerned for those who are far away. That is the great blessing of family ties. Now, all of us in our lives, even those who are older, we can remember a grandmother, perhaps, or our own mother, or a father, or a grandfather. Maybe it was an uncle, maybe it was an aunt that was always the one who was able to get everybody together and to help families reconcile to forgive, to go the extra mile, to remember what really is important in life. The father, and then when he brings his, his younger son in, the older son gets mad. And what does he do? He goes out and tries to comfort him and encourage him. He's always doing the work of trying to bring the family together, to strengthen the family ties. Now, if at all possible, we are called to do the things that strengthen and bind these familial ties. We are called to do that because we are Christians. We belong to the family of God, and we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come, but we as Christians are called to help bind our families together. Even those who don't believe, even those who seem far away, we as Christians are called to strengthen the family. Because the family has been given to us by God. Sometimes that means drawing near to one another. Other times it means maintaining gracious distance, but yet maintaining it and being involved in it. It means praying daily for the strength and closeness and understanding of one's family. It means praying daily, especially 
in those areas of the family that are fractured, that might be estranged, that might be going through difficulties, that might be experiencing rivalries, that might be just misunderstandings or you're just mad at one another. To be in prayer daily for the family. Like the father looking every day for the son who had left. Like the prophet Isaiah reminding God's people from whence they came, we are entering the season where family gatherings will increase. Holidays and celebrations will be taking place, though perhaps on a more smaller, intimate scale. Still, still, Use this autumn to strengthen the family ties. Pray for your families daily. Tell stories about your family when you are together. The best stories are the ones told in the families. Tell stories about yourself. Tell stories about those generations who have already gone. Tell the story. Tell the story of your family. Emphasize the family's strengths. Work to bring those who are far away closer in. You know, many of you have heard me tell this, but Years ago, after college, when our daughter Morgan moved to California, my prayer, Terry's prayer for the next seven years was get the child back across the Mississippi River. <laughs> and it happened. And we are very thankful for that. It just, it just has that of being drawn near. So, the Lord has created the family. He's blessed us all with good and strong family ties in some cases, and in other cases, there are weaker family ties. But we are all, we are all called to do what we can to make the family unit, to make the extended family unit to make those to whom we belong stronger, closer, and to love and support as best we can. Well, this is just the first of several more sermons on family ties. I look forward to sharing these messages with you, and I give thanks to the Lord our God who has made us a family. Amen. Now this morning, um, I want to share a couple of things. Again, our offering plate is in the back. If you would like to make an offering on the way out or make it online, the information is there on the back of the bulletin. Some announcements to share with you. Next Sunday is Communion Sunday. 
and we will do what we did last month. Uh, we'll have the individual uh, prepared communion cups with the wafer on top and the juice in the cup below, and you will be able to pick that up as you come in, and we will share together the communion uh, after the sermon next Sunday at both services. Uh, I want to uh, remind the men that we will resume the Tuesday morning Bible study at 8 o'clock, and the women, we will initiate the Thursday morning Bible study this coming Thursday at 10.30. Uh, and there's a note from Dr. Knox there of appreciation for cards, notes, and phone calls. And I call all those things to your attention. Now, let us pray and give thanks. Now, mighty God, we do give you thanks for this day, for this time of worship. We give you thanks for all that is given for your sake, for your mission and your ministry here at Faith Presbyterian Church. We give you thanks for our health and for the renewing of health. We give you thanks that we can be drawn close together as family. These things we pray and ask all this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let us stand and open the hymn book as we are able to 639. Now thank we all our God. 639. And now, my friends, go from this place this morning in peace. Hold strong to your faith. Have your eternal hope in Christ Jesus while showing his love to all that you meet. 
And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father, the peace and fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon you all this day, and I do pray forevermore. Amen.